1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Liber Cristo War College. Welcome to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, two-man car. lot to talk about today. Welcome, Kyle. I haven't seen you in a few weeks. How you been, my friend? Hey, good, Jesse. I uh, I keep up with you, as Will Rogers would say, through the newspapers. You've been, been in some very interesting places doing some very righteous things, and uh, I appreciate the efforts. <laughs> Will Rogers, <laughs> I like that. Kyle, we're gonna we're gonna talk about today some things that are very practical for the especially for the common Joe. We live in a tattoo culture, and uh, full disclosure, I don't have any tattoos. Uh, I I grew up in a in a barrio in, in Los Angeles where virtually every other person had a tattoo, but I just never it just never something told I was never attracted to marking my body. But uh, that's besides the point. There's an article that I pulled up that I want I want to comment on. Because I'm starting to see Catholic priests now, after they're ordained, they're starting to get tattooed. And to me, it's, I scratch my head. I'm saying, okay, if you don't get a tattoo before you were a priest, maybe when you were a secular you know, young guy, why would you get it when you're an ordained priest? This, this one, it's, there's a blog I have here. It says, uh, this priest says, a tattoo is better than a rosary. And he says, a tattoo is compared to the beauty of a chasuble. Let me just share some remarks, and I want to get your comments. It's, uh, it says, the first day of the cat- Catholic tattoo campaign took place on a Friday at a Cuvatus meeting in Vienna, Austria. The Stuttgart tattoo artist Silas Beck decorated the skin of believers free of charge. Let me get right here, right to where the priest uh let me just jump over here. So it talks about uh, this uh, this this Catholic guy who's doing tattoos outside of a this this Cuvatus meeting center, and his name is Sylvia Sil- Silas Bex. He's got a tattoo, you know, Christian tattoos on his neck, on his on his wrists. Uh, but that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. He's he's the lay person. What does surprise me is where it starts talking about the priest here. Uh, it it got a picture of a priest. Father, uh, Franciscan Father Manuel Sandesh. Uh, it, it says here, humanity is the greatest religion. That's the tattoo that he's having put on his entire, the, the entire length of his forearm by this young guy uh, named uh, Silas Bex. So there's a picture of a Franciscan priest. He's got a baseball hat, kind of turned up like youngsters do it. He's also putting on another tattoo that says Jesus. He's a 43-year-old Franciscan, and he says he wants to have the rest done uh, in, in the Stuttgart Silvis Beck studio. I guess he wants another tattoo that says, uh, or the studio is called Mommy, I'm Sorry. <clears throat> so he's an Indian priest, or his roots are in India. He's also an amateur rapper. And there's a disturbing video, it's in the article, where he's rapping during Holy Mass. Uh and again, he he just came out with a, a hit, I guess a hit song 
It's called humanity is the greatest religion, which again, that, that's a heresy. The greatest religion is the Catholic faith. Uh, so this priest who's promoting getting tattooed, this Indian priest who was also an enthusiastic rapper during mass. Kyle, what's the problem? I get it when, if somebody gets a tattoo before they're a priest, let's say they're in the military, you know, and they're secular, they have a conversion, God calls them to the priesthood and, you know, they, they got tattoos because they got them when they were just basically worldly. What is there a problem or am I making too much of it for a Catholic priest to go get inked up? Oh, you're making a, it's a very, very valid thing. And, um, it's, it's a valid concern. It's more than an observation. You, you, they're wrong. And so I think that, you know, we can tiptoe around it all we want. Uh, but it's time for us to point out the, the errors of the modernist relativist clerics, no matter what their hierarchical state. Um, so it's wrong. And here's why it's wrong. Um, there is a, first of all, there's a canonical still on the books. There's a canonical, um, band, if you will, I'm trying to use, trying to figure the right word here. There's a canonical, um, disqualification for a man who is tattooed to enter the priesthood. Wow. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yep. And so that's the statement now like a lot of can- canon law there's the statement now there can be mitigating circumstances yes for instance it's always been a mitigating circumstance if the tattoo was imposed by another one of the uh, first instances of christians being tattooed is by the Mohammedans, by the saracens where they would put what was called the coptic cross on the wrist of sl- galley slaves of slaves and this was for the purpose of taxation, um, ill treatment, because tattooing is banned uh, in Islam. It it is um, haram. It's 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 unclean in Islam, and so they would tattoo Kyle, that, the, that's the inter- Christian that's, slave. That's interesting that you say that because you're right. I've never seen a Muslim with a tattoo, like with what they call a sleeve. I've, I've never seen one. You're right. Now that you've mentioned that, I'm like, wow, none of these, and all the Muslims that I've ever seen on television, on radio and newspaper, they're not inked up, not even the young guys. No. And, and so there was a, there was a prohibition. There's a canonical prohibition against many things. One is ordination of neophytes, um, meaning first generation converts, uh, especially if their parents persist in, in uh, activity against the faith. This is something that is in, in the same way that there's a prohibition against the ordination of homosexuals. Mm-hmm. We have not been, we've not been enforcing these. Got it. That's right. Wow. Wow. There's a, you know, and I there's a very, the old, Kyle, in the old Testament, the prohibition of tattoos in the book of Leviticus uh, the, the Jewish commentaries that I've read is that that was a sign of disgrace because that meant that you were you were a prisoner of war and you'd been marked by the enemy that conquered the Israelites and so they would mark the enemy you know with a Spartan insignia a Roman insignia an Egyptian insignia they would mark the Jewish uh, soldiers and that would that meant that you were a prisoner of war and you'd been humiliated so it was a sign of humiliation because we we only belong to God not to a conquering army. Precisely right. And in the Holocaust, the tattooing of the of the concentration camp inmates 
um, had two things. Number one, it was demeaning. It was a branding. It was a marking. It was a um, mark of, of slavery uh, among and the condemned, among other things. But on the spiritual context, it rendered those Jews unclean. It rendered them unclean, and they knew that. Mm. So, uh, now, let me, let me, second question. Uh, this whole thing about Catholic priests rapping, especially at Mass, this is something new. I mean, we've never seen this before, a Catholic priest trying to copy the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Uh, when I saw this video and he's rapping during Mass, like right before the consecration, I just had a sick feeling in my stomach, like this is wrong. I mean, this is not, these aren't holy, pious words. This isn't, uh, this isn't sacred language. Uh, I mean, am I making too much about that? No, you're not. So there's three principles violated here. The first principle is the integrity of the mass, and especially the canon of the mass is not to be compromised. There's no insertions. But you and I have, uh, and we're, we are both aware of a priest who delivers homilies and cartoon voices. And um, we've seen charismatic priests who, quote, spoke in tongues at the time of the consecration. This is yep. sacrilege. It's blasphemous. It is, it is absolutely wrong. It's not excusable. The second that it violates is bringing the culture into the mass. Enculturation means to take the mass into the culture, not the other way around. So that's the second principle. And then this is the third principle, is that this man's body is not his own. He is a priest of the Most High God. And a priest literally means he who makes sacrifice. The first sacrifice he makes is his own corpus. So that's not his body to mark. It's not his body to use in that way. Um, it, it's simply not his. It's not up to him to get a tattoo. Um, it would only be for his body. It would only be at the command of a superior. And this brings us into another situation where um there's a passage often quoted um, from one of the Holy Fathers about tattooing for the glory of God. And what he's talking about is the imposition of a tattoo on an unwilling person, such as the Coptic cross, the mark of a slave, etc. It's a form of it's a form of martyrdom. It's a form of compromising the integrity of the corpus by a pagan, by a, uh, a heathen who's marking a Christian corpus, um, even though it may be alive. That's what that Pope was talking about. So this idea of, quote, holy images and these things, this is, um, this is a fallacy. It's wrong. It runs against moral theology, self-mutilation, and all the precepts, uh, especially with regard to priesthood, because that guy, that once a priest, that corpus, that body is to be kept pure. It's a sacrifice. Um, it's a living sacrifice, and it's not to be um, changed or, or augmented in any way. Wow. Well, good stuff. You're listening to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clements, I know this is a program that a lot of people are going to tune into and pass around to their friends because we're, we're this is a hot topic right here. This is a hot topic. And and Kyle, uh, I want to talk about uh, Liber Cristo has the protocols called decommissioning tattoos on the next two or three segments. I want you to walk us through what that looks like. And is there a place where somebody can get these decommissioned prayers? Because I know a lot of, lot of Catholic priests listen to this Wednesday show, and they're going to want to download this decommissioned tattoo prayers. So uh, if you could let us know where they can get them, and we'll pick it up on the next segment. Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle Clement is the, is the chief instructor for uh, Liber Cristo Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism. We'll be right back. 
Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle Clement is the chief chief instructor uh, when it comes to healing, deliverance, and exorcism for lay people around the world. He works for Father Ripperger. He's part of the SMD, part of the DeLoreans. He's the only lay person that's part of the DeLorean Fathers. Uh, Kyle, I want to talk about tattoos because I know that there's a protocol that Liber Crystal puts out. It's called a decommissioned tattoos protocol. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people don't realize uh, I'm reading here from a Rolling Stone magazine, and this this will kind of set up the questions that I want to ask you. Uh, in this Rolling Stone article, there's a, a a guy by the name of Paul Booth. He's he's a world famous tattoo artist, and he was interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine. He said this. He said, "quote While to, while tattooing people, he allows he he allows his clients demons to help guide the needle." He also says in the article that sometimes they'll he'll curse the ink. They'll curse the ink before they put it on a person. Because a lot of these guys are occultists that run these tattoo parlors. So they use cursed ink. And uh, when they're doing the tattoos themselves, under their breath or in their mind, they're invoking demons upon the person. So Kyle, uh, Father Ripperger and yourself have come up with a a prayer for Catholic priests. I think it's for priests to do. And as I look at it, there's seven steps to it. There's seven steps. There's a little narrative you guys give. Then there's step one, uh, where you read the book of Genesis, Leviticus, and 1 Corinthians 6 uh, before the person. Step two, it's, uh, you have the, the, the marked person renounce the tattoo scar and all it represents seven times. Step three, while the priest traces a boundary around the tattoo or scar with exercise holy water step four uh you say some prayers from the bible uh and from the roman missal step five with the exercised and blessed oil you trace each line of the tattoo and scar then you color in where where there where there is ink step six the tattoo scarred person now recites the athanasian creed uh and uh if 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 it says if if no difficulty once if difficulty then read it three times in a declarative manner uh, and step seven, the priest says prayers of thanksgiving three times. Uh, can can you walk us through this? Because I know a lot of Catholic priests watch this show and they've been asking me, uh, can Kyle show us how this is done? And and how did you and Father compose this anyhow? You guys probably ran across a lot of people that have probably been afflicted uh, in, 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 your, in your apostolate, in the ministry. And so I guess this is why you guys came up with this protocol, correct? It is correct. And so what we found was, is that quite often a tattoo is a physical anchor point for a diabolical entity. Um, it is a marking by the diabolical and it's not the image. Um, it can be the elements in the ink. It can be um, the cursing. Um, it can be the insertion. Uh, it can be essentially set up as a false Eucharist. In satanic rite and ritual, the pigment is going to have not only the pigment, but it'll also have semen, ash, and blood um, from various members of the coven and so the uh, or the group. And so when that is inserted now into the person, um, it's a false Eucharist. It's a it's a a part of another entity, another creature inside you. And so I think this is some symbolism that people don't really 
pick up on is it's it's a reality it's more than a symbolism and so what we found was that it also um if there's a desire whenever for instance the priest you mentioned in this blog by having that tattoo and having it he's wanting to be identified with a certain philosophy or a certain group the fact that he picked a heretical statement is just um salt in the wound if you will because here there's a heretical statement tattooed on a priest of the most high god who is supposed to be giving his corpus whole and entire and without blemish to god and so the demon the the fight is over the flesh and so he wants to mark the flesh he wants that mark to also tie you to a psychological and or spiritual state when you were not right with god and that's a key point because that is a, a now it becomes an artifact that anchors and is a physical manifestation of a relationship or a time in the person's life when they were not in right relationship with God. Mm. Oftentimes they're in a state of rebellion. Now, the same is true. We're just talking about tattoos, but the same is true for piercings. Um, and we find that there's a ritualistic element, not only to tattoos, but to piercings and to ritualistic scarring. Cutting, um, some forms of cutting are druidic scarring, which is to mark the victim and make it recognizable to other marked victims. So if there's a cross animation of spirits, that essentially there's a rite and ritual that has been done on this body, on this corpus, which gives the demons right to be present to that corpus. Got it. So we're talking about tattoos scarring and uh and, and piercing uh, all of this this is all part of the same animation of the same probably the same demons right yeah many of them and so their demons of the flesh will always be associated with this activity um and they're you know the the disposition of demons and personalities are myriad but these are particularly demons of the flesh because they seek to mark the flesh as their own and so the ritual, the para-ritual that we go through for the decommissioning of tattoos is designed um, to address these ritualistic elements and to address the diabolical presence. And again, it doesn't have to be the image, but we've had multiple possession cases where when you go through this process, oftentimes the image whelps up. People will even say it's more painful than when they got the original tattoo. Um, and the event that the tattoo commemorates um, becomes very, very vivid in their mind because it is. This is the point of psychological compatibility with the demon is is the commemoration of the event and that the tattoo symbolizes, plus the the act of getting the tattoo. Okay, so let me ask you a question. So any Catholic priest can do this de- can do this decommission prayer over a layperson, correct? Correct. Can a deacon? Not well. Here's the here's the thing: the deacon can do the decommissioning para ritual, but what happens more often than not, in the reason that we say a pre- priest, in the same reason we say a priest for the Freemasonic renunciations of a lodge member, is because there will be um, very often there are mortal sins which have been cloaked or hidden by the demon that become apparent during this process. And the deacon cannot hear the confession. Mm. 
Got it. Um, makes sense. So, um, so Kyle, there's according to the. By the way, how, how can people get this protocol? In case they're wondering, priests are saying, "Where can I download this protocol?" Is it on uh, Monte Cristo's website? Yes. So go to www.montecristo.net and register uh, for priests. There is a section of resources there. Um, that you will um, apply to register. You will be verified that you are, in fact, a priest in good Catholic priest in good standing. And then you will have access to this, among other uh, things, other materials from Father Ripperger and, and I and, and the Libra Cristo group. Mm-hmm. Lots of tools. Um, there's no charge for this. This is part of the apostolic uh, work that Monte Cristo, Libra Cristo does. So I would encourage you to go to www.montecristo.net and uh, register for access as a priest. Now, there's a general member access that also gives you access to um, a lot of recordings. There's a recording on tattoos. Um, Father Ripperger and myself do each do a recording on uh, an audio on tattoos. And there's also... Um, Touch, there's a part of this in the Libra Cristo field, um, field manual that uh, was just uh, published by Tan. Dr. Snyder put it together for us. Um, there's a whole section there. But ultimately, a tattoo falls among those things that must be renounced, rejected, and rebuked because it is a physical manifestation and a tie to a previous life or a life when one was not in right union with God. Oh, Originally... Sense. Originally, in the scrutinies, when someone came in, an adult came into the Catholic Church through the rite of Christian initiation of adults, in the scrutinies, they would strip naked in front of a gender-appropriate uh, gender member of the church, um, and they would answer for all the marks on their body. Now, listen to that language. They would answer for all the marks wow. on their body. Um, this was done by Bishop Remigus to Clovis, um, King of the Franks, at his conversion. And so it was, what is this mark? What does it represent? How did you get it? And do you renounce, reject, and rebuke? Not only this mark, but its relationship and um, what it represents. This is a very powerful understanding because we all, our bodies bear the marks of our sins. And it, this wasn't limited to tattoos and piercings it was also limited to um scars and various other things that are are on the body um interest it's an interesting understanding that we've lost uh that the body bears witness in the marks and the piercings the, the mutilations uh it, it bears witness to our sins that makes perfect sense you're listening to wednesday war college just romero kyle clement by the way for those who are saying, man, who is this guy? This guy's got a lot of information. He's been working with Father Ripperger for the last 15, 16 years in, um, in, in healing, deliverance, and exorcism. He's Father Chad Ripperger's right-hand man. So if you're wondering why I'm always saying that this guy's the most literate, educated, smartest guy in spiritual warfare on planet Earth, it's because he's been working alongside Father Ripperger. And they've been putting a lot of these protocols together. But this, is, these are, this is the brains behind Liber Crystal right here. It's Father Chad Ripperger and Kyle Clement. Kyle doesn't get enough credit, but this this man has been doing this for decades. He also worked with Monsignor Esif, who's the oldest exorcist in the United States. So he's worked with some 
He's worked with some, some real, uh, we would call hammers in the field of exorcism. And uh, this is why when you listen to him on Wednesdays, your, your head is spinning. You're saying, who is this guy? And where did he come from? What planet did he come from? Uh, he's, he's been around and he's been doing this for a long time. Kyle, on the next two segments, what I would like you to do, because you have, you have uh, seven phases that a priest would go to. So I kind of, you could put in your own words if you, know, you want. It, it, go through all the seven steps uh, for a Catholic priest. So, you, so now they've downloaded this, uh, this de- decommissioned tattoo protocol from MonteCristo.net. The person is in front of him. Maybe say that the person's gone to confession now and they're ready to do this. And there's seven steps in the protocol. Uh, I'm going to want you to, to, to teach a Catholic priest how to walk through the seven steps. And uh, maybe you may want to add some stuff in your own words that's not in the protocol, just uh, by way of explanation. You're listening to Wednesday War College. <laughs> Jess Romero, Carl Clement. Uh, we're talking about decommissioning tattoos, the protocol from MonteCristo.net. Liber Crystal will be right back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, Leviticus 19.28. It gives us the rule for tattoos. It says, you shall not mark any, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Now, God gave this uh, injunction to the Israelites because in the Old Testament, it was a, it was a sign of defeat, a sign of disgrace. When you were tattooed, you were tattooed by the conquering army. And so they would they would mark you with you know Sparta or Rome or, or or Egypt, and so the Israelites, because this was a sign that you had been a defeated prisoner, this was one of the reasons why God had said, "Do not mark your body with a tattoo." And uh, and and we also know from the New Testament, Saint Paul tells us in Second Corinthians six seventeen, uh, he says that we're God's people, and he says, "Come out from among them, come out from among them." What does that mean? St. Paul's saying that we have to come out and separate ourselves from, from our prior pagan practices, the pagan cultures, you know, from Mexico, from Ireland, from Germany, uh, from, from these worldly cultures. We have to avoid doing the things that they did to ourselves and to our bodies. This is not what God intends for us. So, uh, Kyle, I'm going uh, to give it to you. So Catholic priests are listening. They're taking notes right now, and they're saying, okay, I just downloaded the protocol, the decommissioned tattoos protocol from MonteCristo.net. I see there's seven steps to it. Can you walk a Catholic priest on how they would use this, Kyle? Yes, and so to go through it, what happens um, for people, let's talk about it in a pastoral sense. So in a pastoral sense, you've got a parishioner who comes to you and says, um, that they want to enter RCIA. And so during the scrutinies, you discover that they are tattooed. And so the, the point is, are you willing to renounce, reject, and rebuke this former life, these former relationships? Well, no, I'm, I'm not quite ready to, to give that up. Then technically, this is what the scrutinies are for. This is to, to understand that, that this soul is not yet ready to die to self 
and rise again with Christ, to, to die to their old life and to, to put on the, the new man. And so um, tattoos and the inventory of tattoos and, and talking about tattoos often opens up a pastoral area whereby the, the priest can be present to them in a pastoral sense. Not all, ta- uh, not all tattoos are diabolic. However, in this discussion, you will discover if the tattoo is a point of psychological compatibility or if it is in fact an active area uh, of an anchor point. The reason being is if it is a point of psychological compatibility, the person will become uh, adamant, they will become combative, they will seek to um, listen and discuss rationally the conversation about mutilation. Self-mutilation is an important understanding within the Catholic Church because it is by degrees that we are brought into um, abuses of the faith and practices that are inconsistent with the faith. What I'm about to say is not going to be popular, but it is, it is a, I can't change that. Uh, it, it is a true statement. Jesse, you and I are of an age. We remember well, our Wailas, our grandmothers, yeah. um, they did, they did not have pierced ears. No, they don't. They did. They wore. They wore ear clips. They wore ear screws. They wore ear adornment. But they they were not pierced. You know, you're right about that. Now that I'm I'm going back. They un- uh, yeah. Yeah, they understood. They understood and knew, and it was preached that this was self mutilation. So the fact that it is culturally acceptable or culturally fashionable. It do, that argument has never carried weight. We have now where it is culturally fashionable to talk about uh, homosexuality openly, to yeah. um, mock the definition of marriage. This is what happens when we do not establish and maintain pastorally the perimeters of our faith. And so now even our pastors are compromised, where the, yeah. the pastors themselves have lost the ability to tell clean from unclean. Uh, Kyle, I, I, uh, I'll top you on that. I've even seen a Catholic priest with earrings, with like one earring in one ear. I, I've seen it. Uh, some of these. And yeah. this is a blasphemy. Yeah. Quite simply. And it's a failure. It's a failure of fathers. It's a failure of bishops. It's a failure of popes. It's a failure of fathers to say this is wrong and, and it will not be done. That's where the failure lies. Right. So back to, to the opening sense, um, the opening preamble of this is something that should be read to the person um, pastorally and ask them, why do you want your tattoos decommissioned? This is not something to advertise to your parish. I'll be doing the decommissioning of tattoos <laughs> on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. Not at all. Talk about the integrity of the corpus. Talk about that our bodies are not our own. Um, If we're not yet married, then um, for women, their bodies uh, are the the responsibility uh, of their fathers. Uh, For young men not yet married, they have to act in accordance with their faith. And anything that's not in accordance with their faith, they have to answer for that directly. One of the reasons the Athanasian Creed is further down here in a final step is it starts at 
at the end of our life, each man will um, come before Christ and give account for the, what he did and what he did not do. But I'm skipping around. I apologize. Right. So going back to this is there are two marks. There's a mark of the flesh and there's a mark of the spirit. The mark of the spirit is the indelible mark of baptism. That is the only mark that a Catholic is to wear. Correct. And trust me, it can certainly be it can certainly be seen by the demon as well as by the angel. Hmm. Hmm. The physical mark that we wear is the mark of the covenant, which is circumcision. So these were the things circumcision if if we depart that uh, many people modernly will talk about self mutil this is a form of mutilation etc um that's a deep moral theology discussion that the catholic church has a lot of good information on but the problem is is people who are in a habitual state of habitual mortal sin self justification and rebellion can't hear the argument nor can they make a legitimate analysis of the of the argument so we'll shelve that one for now. Yeah. So um, the, the three Bible verses are deployed by the priest to the uh, to the person that's coming to him, and he sits and explains to him basically the integrity the, uh, of the corpus of the human body, uh, the the holiness of the body, deploying those Bible verses, and he gives a good pastoral explanation. So then they move on to step two: have the marked person renounce the tattoo scar and all it represents seven times. How do they do that? Right. So what it amounts to is this, is, okay, the, um, the tattoo that I got, the, the Coptic cross that I got when I went on pilgrimage, uh, I reject, renounce, and rebuke that false mark, that false heroism, because those marks were done against the will of the person. The first tattoos that first time we see these crosses, the Jerusalem cross and these things come back on someone's flesh. These were on the flesh of crusaders who had been captured and escaped. And so you're identifying yourself with a heroic group. The, the modern pilgrimage where I sit on an air, an, a pressurized airplane for 12 hours and land, have three meals and four rests before I ride on a bus and walk five steps to a holy site, that's nothing to be commemorated with a Coptic cross as if I left home when I was 14 and didn't return till I was 35, having been in prison for 10 years. That's, that's like me wearing the Cracker Jack Medal of Honor um, saying, you know, I, uh, I, I think about the war. <laughs> it, yeah. But you see what I'm, what I'm getting at is this elevation of, of self, this, this false sense of self, this idea to be identified with a group um, that is beyond my, my station, beyond my perfection. So that's all the way to the renouncing the tattoo scar, all it represents. If I was, if I was part of a, um, a gang, if I was part of a, um, a satanic group, then I have to renounce and all it represents seven times. Now, the reason for the seven times is if it was ritualistically done, then it will, there will be some motion or something that is said seven times. And what it's doing is counterfeiting the, the seven seals in um, who's worthy to open the seals. 
Mm. Only okay. the lamb. Okay. Got it. And, yeah. and they could they could take Remember, that, they could take that renunciation prayer from Father Ripperger's book, right? Deliverance prayers for the lady. Exactly. Exactly there's right. One, there's one yeah. in there. Yeah. And so you're doing that, you're repeating that seven times um, just in case there were a ritualistic element. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of the um, artists who are diabolically inspired, there will be seven points. And so they make it uh, part of the way they lay the tattoo out is it is a stencil that's put on the skin. It's drawn. And then there are seven reference points, almost like a spot welding, if you know what, uh, about welding. But there are seven reference points that are the seven points, exterior points or boundary of the image. And what's just happened is when those seven dots are made, that flesh inside those seven dots is claimed for the, for the demon. And so now it's dedicated. So now you've got a geography that's been seeded, uh, if you will, or given over to the demon. That whether, they sense? Know, whether they know it or not, right? <laughs> yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Whether the person getting tattooed knows this or not. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. So that's exactly right. It, it, and uh, oftentimes the artist isn't even aware of what they're doing. But if you watch videos of them, they will put these uh, boundary dots or margin dots uh, points. And that's what's happening. Hold that thought, Kyle. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Stick around. Good stuff. Talking about decommissioning tattoos. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. <clears throat> Kyle is uh, Father Rep, Father Chad Ripperger's right-hand man, literally his right-hand man in uh, the Ministry of Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism. Uh, the most literate lay Catholic on planet Earth when it comes to these matters. Uh, we're happy to have him here anytime that we can get him. <clears throat> Kyle, there's seven points there to this decommission of tattoos protocol. I'm not going to go through this fast. I'd rather just th this be part one because uh, th you're, you're giving a lot of good pa uh, catechesis and so instead of just ripping through this, uh, I'll extend this to, the, to another show next time I have you on. <clears throat> right there on, on number two where, you, where it says, have the marked person renounce the tattoo scar and all it represents seven times. I'm looking at uh, Father Ripperger's book on page 24. Would this be a, an appropriate prayer? It's short where it says, uh, I, you could just modify it, obviously. I completely and utterly reject with the full force of my will, this uh, this tattoo and all it represents, I do this in the holy name of Jesus and Mary, and in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Could that short prayer be used on, on, on point number two, uh, seven times, that short little prayer? It can. It, it can, and it often is. If there is a um, if there is a known diabolical presence, if we know that the tattoo is a part of the case, uh, we will use and employ the reject, renounce, and rebuke formula that's found in the field manual. It's just uh, it's Got the it. same. Okay. It's the same. It's longer. Uh, it's a little general longer. concept. It's a little right. Longer. A little longer. A little more specific. Got it. Okay. So uh, let's talk about number three. While the priest traces a boundary around the tattoo scar with exercise holy water 
He, the priest says, I, a priest of the Most High God, he who created this flesh, do hereby reclaim this flesh in the name of God who created it. Tell us a little bit about what the priest is doing there. Okay, so important to remember. Now, remember the seven points were made on the margins, and so that's why the person's renouncing it seven times to the extent of the of the affected flesh. And then the flesh that is being uh, claimed by the tattoo, by the mark specifically, this is why he's tracing a boundary around it, and he says, I now reclaim this flesh in the name of him who created it. And so this is an understanding that any other claim fostered by the um, by the marking is a secondary claim and therefore is, is going to be an imperfect claim. The only perfect claim on the flesh is by him who made it. And so this is, uh, again, the person's will has to be requisite with they want to return to a right and reconciled relationship with God, whereby Christ is Lord. And so they're this is a, a, an area of the flesh that is not under the governance that they seek to now return to the governance of Christ. Kyle, mention a little bit, uh, just somebody just texted me and they wanted a little clarification. If you could repeat again, you said that people putting on tattoos, the actual tattoo artist, whether they know it or not, they use kind of a little grid or a map of seven points before they start making the tattoo. Is that correct? Correct. There may be more than seven points, but there's going to be at least seven points um, that are made um, to, to mark the boundary of the area to be tattooed. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, that's probably just the way they're trained to do it, whether, whether they know it or not. And that's probably a mockery of the number of God, the number of God in the Old Testament. Um, so again, so the priest is now tracing the boundary around the tattoo with exercised holy water, correct? Uh, is he saying anything? Correct. As he, uh, oh, yeah, he says that little yes. prayer that, yeah, yeah. Right, so he's intoning um, that I am reclaiming this uh, on behalf of and in the name of him who created it. Got it. And, uh, yeah, with some people that have a sleeve, he's going to be he's gonna be intoning that about 50 times. <laughs> no, so all he's doing is the margin. Oh, the margin. So he's tracing the, the boundary, yeah. Uh, oh, got it, got it. Oh, that makes sense, yeah, because... Some people, it looks just like a big old black blotch on their arm or their shoulder. Uh, yeah, okay. So that makes sense. So now... So he's the tracing the boundary. Okay. Now, so this is... All of this comes from also, and now we're coming in the second part. All of this comes also from the understanding that there is a rite and ritual for to address a desecrated church, a desecrated altar. And so... Part of that is the prayers, the scriptures of, for the dedication of a church, because the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if it's desecrated, then this is part of this prayer ritual is to go back and reclaim it for which it was created. A church was built for the purpose of being a church, for, for offering worship, and so worship to God. And so if worship to Satan is done there, such as you had altars and interestingly enough, there's 15 or 20 of these a year within the United States where satanic rite or ritual is done often by a priest on an altar, Catholic altar. And so no one but the bishop can do the, the, um, to address a desecrated church. And so there's a prayer set on the, on the boundary, on the perimeter around the church in the same way that have you ever seen a church dedicated where uh, the bishop anoints the walls? 
No, I haven't, Kyle. No. It's so this is a beautiful build. liturgy. Yeah, I can. It is a, an amazing liturgy, but the geography is literally being taken back, um, and so that's where all this imagery comes from. Hmm. Okay, so we're now on point number four, where the priests it okay. says say the prayers and read the scriptures for the dedication of a church in the Roman Missal. And the collect, the prefect, pref, preface, the blessing. And what they read is, is there's several scriptures, is Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 7, and John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. <clears throat> so the priest actually reads this in front of the person that he's praying over, correct? Correct, correct. So the boundary has been marked by the holy water, and now the priest reads these passages. In other words, it's just like a, a church has been desecrated and now rededicated. He's reading to the person that he's doing this protocol over. Basically, it's, it's a way of saying that your body was desecrated and now I'm rededicating it to God, correct? Correct. And he does that rededication with the exercised and blessed oil by tracing each line of the tattoo, scar, piercing, and then he colors in where there is ink. Okay, so that we're on point number five. Point number five. With the exercise yes. mm -hmm. and blessed oil, trace each line of the tattoo. So this is after he reads the scriptures, right? Or as he or as he's, as he's reading the script. Okay, after. So he traces each right. line of the tattoo scar, then color in where there is ink. Use a Q tip as it requires less oil and it's easier to trace. After completion, use paper towels pressed up against the skin to remove excess oil. Priest intones the sentiments of rededication, reconsecration, and recreation of not only the flesh, but the whole man to the service and glory of God. So that the prayers that he's intoning are Ezekiel 47 and John chapter 2, correct? Correct. And then there's prayers within that dedication liturgy, dedication of a church. Uh, again, it's back to the colic, the preface, and the secret with regard to the use of this church, the use of this place, etc. Okay, so he could add those prayers as well. And it's probably found in the old Roman Missal, correct? That's correct. Okay, so now he moves on to point number six. Tattooed scar, this is pretty self-explanatory, reads the Athanasian Creed, if no difficulty, one time. If there's difficulty, then he reads it three times in a declarative manner. That's pretty, that's pretty simple. Then mm -hmm. point number seven, the priest ends... It says, priest says prayers of thanksgiving three times, and the prayers there in the protocol. And that, that's pretty much it. Those are the seven steps that a Catholic priest will use to decommission a tattoo of a Catholic that's petitioning for him, right? That's correct. Wow, this is good stuff, Kyle. This is deep theology. This is, this is what I'll call f fundamental practical theology that most people, lay people, first of all, and priests as well, they've never heard of something like this. And can you imagine... How many Catholics are walking around, walking around in, in our society, probably diabolically afflicted at some level, you know, for having gotten a, some tattoo of a dragon when they were probably in the Marines or the Army or, or, or you know, in prison. They got a tattoo of, uh, you know, uh, who, who knows what they got a tattoo of. And they came out, they're trying to practice their faith. And there's, there's always been an impediment uh, that always draws them back to a certain sin. It could be because of a tattoo that's been, the ink's been cursed 
or the actual tattoo is glorify Satan or the person that put the tattoo on him could have been cursing him as he's putting on the tattoo, correct? That's precisely right. That is precisely right. And those uh, those audio recordings and those uh, the information on that Monte Cristo website uh, take you deep into some of the things we've seen in some in some of the diabolical cases, some of the possession cases, um, even something simple. We had one particular one, a young lady who actually had been to your alma mater, who had been to Steubenville, had a uh, tattoo, very innocuous looking tattoo of a dove on her ankle, Holy Spirit tattoo. And um, I asked her, I said, what was uh, what was your relationship with your father at the time you got that? Well, she was in open rebellion with her father and ended up moving in with her boyfriend in, in defiance of her father and got that uh, Holy Spirit tattoo um, at that time. And so she said, I can't see this, that it doesn't remind me of that, um, that psychological and spiritual state. Wow. It just transports her back to that time when she was in a bad relationship with her father. Kyle, good stuff, my friend. Wow. And you know, I can't believe we got through the whole thing. I thought it was going to be a two-parter, but no, <laughs> you knocked it out in one. So how can people get a hold of this uh, decommissioned tattoo protocol and more lectures on tattooing? Where can they get more on this topic? Go to www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net. Uh, there's a lot of things on the website there, and then uh, feel free to laity all the way up to priest. Uh, join, uh, apply to, to to join, and then you'll get a login. And so the way it works is there is a priest designation, there's a mental health designation, there is a uh, exorcist designation. And so the exorcist designation is our highest designation. If you've been through exorcist training with Father Ripperger and I, then you have access to everything on the site. If you are a priest in good standing, a Roman Catholic priest in good standing, then you would be on the priest part, and then you would have access to the mental health and the general um, uh, general community stuff. If you're a mental health professional, then you would get uh, the next tier down, all of our mental health resources, plus the laity. Then the laity um, have a general members have access to quite a bit of, of information. So that's kind of the hierarchy of, of the various memberships. It's There's no charge for any of these. Um, and there's a lot of resources there that are available to you. And this is an outreach. This is this is Father Ripperger wanting to make this uh, material available to um, to priests, to exorcists, to mental health professionals, to laity, to get this information out there where we where it'll do some good. Kyle, one last question: Can any priest do this over any baptized, or does that have to be your pastor? So again, we recommend that it's a pastor, but technically he can do it over any baptized. But again, this is an opportunity for, for pastoral discussion. We're done. Thanks. We'll talk to you later.